0: to talk about in this podcast episode, <laughs> right. and I just had
1: to think of it real quick. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Brain Candy Podcast. I'm Susan Wester, here with my bestie, Sarah Ray. That's me. <laughs> you know, after all this time, you think we would have run out of ways to say that. Uh, what? We haven't. We're just getting started. Oh, yes. Welcome to episode 90. 90. That's so many. We're getting a little spooky today. That was so
0: good. (laughs) That was your best spooky voice yet. Perfect. No press. That's why.
1: What better way to ring in the new year than with a little death talk? Why not? It's been a year of death. you know... No
0: joke. Everyone's dropping like flies. And they just don't stop. It's like there's they're trying
1: to cram as many as we can into this last week of the year here. I read about uh GoFundMe that was started by some guy who wants to follow Betty White around and protect her from 2016. (laughs) (laughs) I will pay for that.
0: Right? That is so funny. I hope Betty White's immune to 2016. I
1: believe she is. I think she is too. We just lost Carrie Fisher. We just lost George Michael. Mm-hmm. We've lost Prince, David Bowie. Um, who are some other? Oh, Florence Henderson. Yep. My uh, beloved. A- the TV dad man. from. Alan Thick. Alan Thick. We've already commemorated him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I've read some articles about how because of the way that pop culture and celebrity has grown exponentially during the TV age. hmm we just at this exact moment, there are so many more celebrities who could die that it seems like
0: it's going to just keep getting more and more and more, isn't yet, it? Yeah,
1: Especially because now everybody's, everybody's famous. famous. For <laughs> any, I mean, thanks for nothing, Andy Warhol. Jeezy, crazy. That's <laughs> that's right. So just get used to it. Settle in to the fact that people are dying. Don't you see it as a like a way to remind yourself that, like, yep. We're all going to kick
0: it. Yep, I sure do. And you know, I recently had, I recently lost my uncle, and that was the first time somebody close to me has ever passed away. I mean, I, my grandfather died when I was like eight, but I was too young for it to all really click and for me to be, I don't know, thinking about life and death because of that. Yeah. But then with my uncle passing, I have.
1: What did it teach you? Anything, or what has it sprung to your mind or thoughts? Oh, uh, gosh! You know,
0: as morbid as this sounds, it's a lot more peaceful than I would have even thought or expected. Or you know, like I had never been to a funeral before and to a, a cemetery. For and I had this amazing this sense of just peace and calm. And like, maybe it's because he, I felt like he did live a really long life and he was surrounded by his loved ones in the end. And it felt like a, like closure, you know, Mm -hmm. and he was somebody who was sick for a while. So it almost felt like a, like a big giant exhale.
1: Yeah. I mean, a lot of times when people are sick, And then they pass it, even though it's sad, there's still a sense of like, okay, they're at peace or whatever.
0: And I'm not, uh, I'm not, okay, well, I'll also say this. He is Jewish and uh, that part of like the Jewish traditions and faith and, and, and around death was a really important part to him or really something that he really cared about and wanted to follow. Uh, and I absolutely love And see the purpose for the traditions and rituals surrounding death in the Jewish faith. You like them. I do.
1: What do you like about them? I loved
0: that. Well, one thing is you have to bury them within 72 hours. And this, not so much for, well, even for me, you know, you can really see in this moment, your, your brain just doesn't know. When I found out, your brain just doesn't even know what to do with the information. And I went into my own version of fight or flight. I immediately—I mean, within thirty seconds of finding this out—I got on the phone. I because I had finals at the same time. I was like, okay, well, what do I do? What do I do to plan this? I know I got to do something. I got to do something, and I panicked and I called my professors. Like, what? I have to tell them that I got to get on a plane and go to like because my brain was like, I got to do something. Really, I mean, I could just see that that was like a fight or flight response. Now it's less because I'm—it's my uncle. But if I were—if I lost my husband, like say for my aunt, for example. Her, I'm sure she went into the same kind of fight or flight. Like I got to do something. I got to, I, cause I don't even know what to do with these emotions. And so it, it almost makes you focus your energy on one, one thing. So you don't get overwhelmed with what's going on. So my aunt went into, okay, time to get the body to New York, time to bury him, time to get the funeral planned, blah, blah, blah. And she said it was really comforting to have a goal And have something that you're supposed to tackle right at this moment, rather than just feeling like because there's a sense of like, well, what the what do I do? What do I do now? If you don't have that, Mm -hmm. like what? Even when when like a a celebrity that you really loved passes away, you go like, what what do I even do? There's like a feeling of I don't know what to do with myself in this moment.
1: I really resent people who make fun of people who get really sad about celebrity deaths because, you know, for many people, I, I read a few posts from um, people in the gay community mm-hmm. um, when George Michael died and they were saying how when you when you're have a secret or you're living um, as a gay person but you're not out yet, or even if you're out but you just don't know what that means yet, a lot of times you immerse yourself in the mm-hmm. fantasy of TV and movies and music, yeah. and they, you can grow very attached to them. And I think that's not reserved for gay folks. That's anybody that has something that they're dealing with that they might find comfort in the entertainment world. And so there's everyone knows my affection for Cheers. I was and just going to say,
0: <clears throat> I was just going to say Cheers and the Beach Boys for you. I yeah, feel like
1: there's so many examples too of like. Something that a book people and, get really yes. into books, and you don't even know what
0: kind of comfort that person or or a song could have brought somebody in their lowest times. Yeah. Into, that. So
1: I I hate when people are all like you you know you don't know them and people die and there's like people that maybe die you, all you all do over know the them and
0: you know them in a different personal place that the other person doesn't know them in. So,
1: well, so I people think can a shove lot of people it. People get very um sanctimonious and are like, people are dying all over the world in Syria and Iraq and whatever and you don't care about them. Well, sure we do but that's abstract and hard to relate well, to. Well, if that
0: person in Syria helped me through a difficult time in my life then yes, I <laughs> would Right. You know, it's just different. It's different. Apples and oranges. Yeah. Really.
1: Um, we have a guest later. My, uh, I did an interview with John Edward who Used to have a TV show, and he now does um, events around the country that you can attend. And he's interesting. I, I really enjoy interviewing him. I have done, I did it on my old podcast, mm-hmm. and now again. And Sarah and I are going to see him- I'm so excited. In January at the Glendale event, if you're in LA and you want to come to that, go to johnedward.net, and you can um, get tickets to that. And And he might be coming to your town, wherever you live. Check it out, but- I am very intrigued to see what that's like. I want to
0: see the whole process.
1: What do you expect? Well, I don't know. I go in with a skeptical. Are you familiar with him? Yes. Yes.
0: And I used to watch a show
1: crossing over. What did you think of it? I loved it. Did you? Yeah. What'd you like about it? But then I
0: wonder, okay, is it editing or is it like. You know, is he the kind of person who just says, I'm sensing somebody with, with the name M, an M name, and then you see somebody's eyes perk up. And like, the, I wonder if it's like that or...
1: Well, we've talked a lot about this because your mom is a psychic. Yeah, Is that how she calls herself a psychic or does she call herself Maybe a medium? Maybe she calls herself a medium. Okay. But I mean, so you have a personal connection yes. to this and you've said this about your mom. Like, is it an intuition? Is it a literal yeah. uh, no, a sense about... People that have passed. I still don't know. Yeah, that's what's to me fun about Super it. Super fun. I wish I had this. He he doesn't call it a gift, but you know sometimes people it, it, call it
0: it seems like a gift. <laughs> well, I'll tell you. I was just watching this. You know how much I love Vice, and Vice was doing. Uh, there's a TV show on Vice called Balls Deep, where this wonderful journalist goes, uh, and I'll put a link up to this or link to this up in our newsletter. But he. Uh, really immerses himself in whatever community or culture. And he's such a great reporter or journalist. And uh, he was doing one on morticians and people who do autopsies. Yeah, that's cool. And it was fascinating. Why? And this woman... Well, what I thought was so interesting is that this woman is a... What do they call them? Forensic I can't remember, the But she <clears throat> does the autopsy. And there's a much different – it's a much different approach working with somebody once they've passed away than when they're alive. Like the whole scrubbing your hands to prevent contamination, it, it was a weird thing. He said, he's like, usually when you're working on a person who's alive, you try to keep the contaminants off of them. Well, when you're working on somebody who's dead, they're the most contaminated thing in the room. And it's Why? a totally on different – Well, they're just – your body just just running yeah piece of fruit and i mean the way she attacked this it was like oh i i can't even it's difficult to they're not human what is this
1: called this vice thing oh it's
0: called balls deep is the show it's great i really recommend it
2: ophthalmologist dr strauss has seen firsthand how
0: the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com
2: slash metaverseimpact.
0: And uh, so, but the thing that I found most interesting about this is that this woman who's so into the science of everything, and you can tell that she's very scientific? Uh, she consults with a forensic medium who finds people who are dead and lost, and finds dead bodies and find and locates them. And this woman was like the mortician was like, or uh, autopsy woman was like, I didn't believe. I, I the more the more she's right, the more I just have to Mm -hmm. think that – and so it's almost like this woman who worked with the dead, Her, she went into the job with science in mind, and then the more and more and more she worked with the dead and worked in this field, there became a spiritual factor. There Mm -hmm. became – she became more and more aware and open to this, and it kind of makes me think, well, maybe –
1: Well, I know your mom has been hired to help with criminal investigations as well. Yes. I mean, hey, hey. Well, that's the thing. Can't so, like, <clears throat> John Edward. Whenever I interviewed him before, I I realized that he is controversial, and that some people think that he and other mediums are taking advantage of people who are vulnerable, who've suffered tragedy, and are desperate for closure or peace or whatever. It was so bad if they bring him that though? <laughs> well. Uh, These, the critics would say like, you shouldn't profit off of another person's Mm -hmm. whatever. But for me, I mean, I bet those people would gladly pay
0: way more money to feel closure.
1: Well, right. And who's to say that he's not actually doing what he says. Right. I, that's why I like talking to him because it's like he, first of all, he's very self deprecating, which I love. I
0: listened to his past interview on your show. What did you think? I loved him. Yeah. And he doesn't feel like, uh, it really does come off. Like it, it's not,
1: he doesn't do the ambush. It's not like an
0: entertainment value. Like it's for a reason.
1: um, Long Island medium. Yes. She's an ambush. I don't like that reader. So she'll just come up to people in like whole foods and be like, I see your dad. And he's he's telling me he has a red balloon. And, uh, Like, I love her show and I think she's hilarious. Um, But a lot of people are critical of that approach. He doesn't do that. Yeah. He does private readings and whatever. But, like, let's pretend for a second that all these people are lying, that they can't actually talk to the deceased. Does it bother you that they do these readings in that case? (laughs) You don't care either way? I don't care. I really don't because because it's like I've
0: said a thousand times on here. If you believe it to work... It works. There's a reason why the placebo effect is the most effective thing we have.
1: Okay, so are you inclined to think that they can talk to those who have crossed over? Or not? Although recently you've become quite a skeptic. You've denounced I know. your previous astrology interest. I know.
0: You know what's funny is I went to an acupuncturist yes, just yesterday, and uh, she was like, we were talking and talking, talking and she was like, Oh, are you your birthday in September? And I was like, Why do you think I'm a Virgo? And she was like, Yeah. And I was like, Virgo oh, Virgo's my rising sign, but no and in my head I was like, Yeah, it's all a bunch of bullshit anyway.
1: <laughs> but secretly you're kinda of like, Oh, she thinks I'm a Virgo. You know, I was
0: wonder I was like, Oh, I wonder why she thought that and then um but she was like half right. And you know, then in my head I was like, Okay, well, you know, some people probably think that acupuncture is like hooey bluey or whatever they say, mm-hmm. but I love it. So yeah. Well, if, it, if you think it works for you and if that brings you peace, then you know what it does. And if you see, if you hear those,
1: Hey, I want to
0: believe I'm like Mulder.
1: I can't wait till we go because you're going to be so into it.
0: I'm going to be so into it. And what if,
1: well, cause I'll tell
0: you this. I remember when I talked to you about the women's group that I went to Yes. So there was another woman there who's also a spiritual healer who does Reiki healing. And she was just an uh, audience, like, she was like me. She wasn't the person leading it. And as she was leaving, she grabbed me by the arm and she was like, oh, I just want to tell you that there's a man with you. No. And I was like, okay. Who? And I've always had a feeling that... And I, I felt like he was there like two times in my life where I was like, once when I was on a challenge where I just like felt like I just got vibes. And then once another time when I was living in San Francisco and like just having a dream and my grandpa, who's my grandma's second husband, not my mom's dad, but just like her stepdad was really like important in my life. And he's the one who passed away when I was like eight or nine, you know, before I really knew what all this stuff meant. And, uh, yeah, grandpa Marsh, he's like, I always have felt like a connection to him. And like, even like we'll randomly so say you some that's of the, who it is. I think if it's anybody. So if we go to that John Edwards show and he says anything like mentions a man named Marsh or the le- name letter M or any <laughs> so grandpa like that, running down to the stage. oh, I'm going to, I'm going <laughs> to just try to keep my mouth shut and see what happens. And I'll just, but I'm putting it out
1: that there. That is a hoot.
0: I was like, I wonder if I think about it a lot before we go, if maybe that'll make it happen.
1: I'm going to try it.
0: Well, who do you guys? floating around? I don't to say,
1: because it's, we're going Oh, that's, that's good. Yeah, because I would be so excited. Oh, my
0: gosh. Can right? You imagine? Yeah.
1: Oh, because that's what the thing. I totally understand that desire. Mm-hmm. We all miss these people mm-hmm. and maybe have things we hope they say, or there's a desire to know that there's peace mm-hmm. when people die. Oh, mm-hmm. <gasps>
0: Oh, that was it. Yep. It was right when my aunt passed away and I felt my grandfather tell me that it wasn't because, oh my gosh, she, I suspected that it was suicide that she, how she died. And I had like a vision, like a, I felt one night it was like halfway in between awake and sleep where my grandfather came to me and said, don't worry, aunt Suzanne's here with me and everything's fine. (gasps) Yeah, that was when it was.
1: Okay, okay, let me ask you this. Yeah.
0: But what? I could have just been sleep, dreaming, whatever. Oh, that's the
1: thing. Life is
0: but a dream. And, and you know what? But that's what I, that, it brought me comfort and I felt really good afterwards. So whatever the heck it was, dream, vision, spiritual guidance, ghost, ghost, it felt good afterwards and it wasn't scary. And it was, and I cried. Afterwards and I but I cried and then I called my grandma and I was like, just so you know Aunt Suzanne's with Grandpa Mars.
1: Do you think that some people die and are not at peace? Yeah. Where are they?
0: Torment. Heck fino. Literally. <laughs> <Yeah>. Wait. <laughs> what do you think? I think trapped energy is a real thing. What the heck is that? Like I think that there's uh, there are people. There, that energy can get trapped from one space to the next, especially for somebody who doesn't have like a spiritual. I don't know, or I could be making all this freaking stuff up to just like rest well at night. <clears throat> but for people who don't have a, I don't know, any sort of, I don't know, maybe a foundation in some sort of, spirituality or something that 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 could death could be very scary and like just lights out nothing and maybe that not wanting to go to whatever is next whether it be a different dimension whether it be a different reincarnation whether it be heaven whether it be whatever who the heck knows i don't know but maybe there are people who are scared of whatever's happening next and they that that desire to hold on just kind of like makes things linger
1: yeah were you the one that was I was talking to about? I think it was you. Whenever people are on their deathbed and then they like hang on until like someone arrives, mm-hmm. and I was like, I don't understand that. What does that even mean? Like, if you're going to die, you no, die. No, they hang on, and you say you you or whoever it was was saying it's like when you're trying not to fall asleep, and then and you you know when you're trying to stay awake, <gasps> uh-huh. and I'm like, oh, I get that.
0: I get that too. It wasn't like, me who said that. Oh, but maybe it was, but that totally sounds right.
1: It made sense then to me. Like, it oh, really does make I could sense. See how you well, could and do I that. saw
0: my uncle do that. I saw, and almost like he like did it at the most convenient time. In between Thanksgiving and Christmas, everybody was home. He did it on the weekend, so nobody missed any work in true Jewish <laughs> well, fashion. Generous. Yeah, we were all laughing. We were like, "Uncle David was the best" because <laughs> nobody had to miss work. It
1: was well, that's what's time. strange is I was with him on Thanksgiving, right? And that was right the first before. time I met him. Mm-hmm. I gave him a hug mm-hmm. and said hello, and he to me seemed really good because yeah. I knew he had been sick.
0: Yeah, and, and he so was when really you said good. that he
1: passed away, I was like, "What? Mm. Well, I mean." I just didn't see it coming. I can't even imagine all the other kinds of deaths like that John Edward or other mm-hmm. therapists or whoever have heard about right. The people have had to endure. Yep. I do not know how people do it.
0: As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills.
1: The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is.
0: Learn more at Meta.com slash Metaverse Impact. I don't know if this is going to bring, if this is good news or bad news for for whichever, but based on studies of grief and studies of um, people losing loved ones, the emotional toll it takes on the individual who's losing the loved one is the same, whether it's sudden or whether it's expected. Why? I don't know. So, but that, that should bring comfort to those who worry that, you know, like some, uh, my husband travels a lot and I'm always like, what if he just like, what would I do? What if he just, something happened to him and like, whatever, God forbid. And then, I don't know, it maybe it'll make like, things will be better one day, but oh, it's the same, from what I hear, it's the same. Oh, and also that shows like it's for somebody who maybe was with somebody who was sick for a long time and people think, oh, well, you know, they, they knew it was coming. Nah, it's the same. It hurts just as bad. Hmm. It goes like both directions, like both ways.
1: Why do you think like it's the one thing we all have in common hmm. that we're going to die? Yep. It's the one thing. That's it. We were all born and we're all going to die. Yep. That's all we got. That's all. But yet it's still this everlasting conversation and struggle and uh mystery. I was talking to my yoga teacher about this just this morning what about how
0: um we were talking about never really having the answer and I said that that's not necessarily the worst thing. Cause imagine us just if we all knew exactly what was happening, we'd just sit around like bumps on a log, waiting for—I don't know what would we do, or we would maybe it would change things, maybe it wouldn't. But that whole mystery is kind of what keeps us going. Wait, so if someone going. said,
1: "I will tell you when you're going to die and how you're going to die," you would say, "No, thank no, you." No,
0: thank you. No really? way.
1: What would you do? I'd want to know.
0: And what would you do with that time?
1: It depends on when it would be.
0: Well, what if they told you you had a month?
1: I mean, I. I'd do some fun things. I sure as hell wouldn't be doing this podcast. <laughs>
0: like it you know that I'll just have to like bump it up to episode hundred because I couldn't have you like croaking on episode 90 and like an odd number. It kind of feels like it needs to be something even.
1: You would not go about your routine. You would not no. do your laundry. You Heck wouldn't no. do whatever.
0: But what if they gave you a number that was like in 47 years?
1: You're not. I that, mean, I would, that would be so convenient if I knew <laughs> <laughs> Sarah you're the worst you're the worst why would you even <laughs> want to do that it would help me decide mm. how the best use of my time <gasps> would be oh my
0: god I feel like I feel like it would be like every school report ever and I'd leave everything the last year and I'd be like <laughs> god damn it! I only have one more year left to get all this shit done and meanwhile I was just like sitting on my couch watching episodes of whatever do you have a bucket list oh good question uh, I've got a places of the world bucket, but you know what's funny is my bucket list is more of a things to do before I have a baby, not
1: things to do before I die. You know what? That's a type of death. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> bringing the death life of my youth. <laughs> life bringing life into the world is a death of your life. I should. I really
0: love children. They're all the great. Food. They're wonderful. Everyone is a gift. Uh, <laughs> but you know, <laughs> I just like wanted to, and I'm going to one of the places on the bucket list. Right before we start, like you know, attempting to put a bun in the oven, so right going to Machu Picchu, gonna cross that one off the bucket list. But more like places, but things to do. You know, I I I think a lot of a lot of the things that would be on my bucket list, I kind of crossed off on the challenge. What about you? That's weird. Um... Why they're like jump out of planes, climb a gigantic mountain, jump out of a helicopter, take a ride in a helicopter. You know, uh, drive a fork uh, a forklift, operate a... Uh, you have a weird bucket I know, list. I know, I kind of do. I've always wanted to use one of those back home things, and I got to do that on the challenge.
1: <laughs> um, could have
0: just joined a farm. My bucket
1: list is like about... Work, Change the
0: world, write a book. Stuff. I know, it was, really. You I'm should. What? Write multiple books.
1: I'm working on it. But I'll read everyone. I've always wanted to host a talk show.
0: <laughs> You'd be so good at that.
1: Stuff like that that probably won't happen, but the... You know, that I want to happen and certain professional goals. Not a, like I don't care about travelers, whatever, anymore. That's well, you, probably because you have a kid and you feel more grounded. Yeah. I'll probably
0: feel like that after I pop yeah. one of those mm. things out.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that having a kid does change, you know, because then it's his turn. I Whatever. I did yeah. my stuff. Go yeah. have fun. Yeah. So I don't know. We'll see. But I would like to know when I was going to die so I know how to pace myself here.
0: Oh my god, I'm <laughs> nervous now. That would be the worst thing to know.
1: Um okay. sometimes
0: I think we're so much alike, and then other times I'm like, we couldn't be more different.
1: Well, I mean, you know what? Let me say about the travel thing. Yeah. It's mostly the reason why that's not on my list anymore is because of how the airlines have ruined <laughs> everything. <laughs> We're still traveling like they were in the eighties. It would be great. Well, I just read 70s, how 60s, the hated. big the widest, and most comfortable seat oh, on like a United flight is now is smaller than no. Wait, is smaller than the smallest mm-hmm. one was
0: back in the day, like
1: fifteen twenty years ago. Uh,
0: that makes me sick.
1: And I, we're getting fatter. And NBC. so oh, and then it gets <sighs> worse. I read about how. The reason why everything in travel is horrible yeah. is because it's called calculated misery. So they want to create an environment that is miserable enough that you'll pay more to avoid that particular misery. Uh-huh. So if you don't want to um, have a small seat, you'll pay for a bigger one. Mm. If you want oh, to God. you know, have a certain kind of food, you'll pay for this. My
0: misery is way higher than what my bank account can afford.
1: Right. Or if you want like, to get on the plane first, well, you can pay for it. Yeah. So it's a purposeful misery, and that is disgusting. And even as um, gasoline prices went down, they just kept the surcharge mm-hmm. and they're just raking in the dough yep. and they are all monopolizing. And... Yep. So anyway, that's a tangent, but I that's hate why that. Uh, travel I is remember
0: not... when I was a kid and we would go on long trips, I used to. Take three seats, flip up the center like armrests, and lay out across the whole thing, and it was no problem. Mm-hmm. I have not seen an airplane with three seats in a row empty in 10 years. Mm-hmm.
1: And they treat you like garbage.
0: And the food is terrible.
1: And when, <laughs> yeah, if we're gonna going to keep going curious. about
0: this, how about this one? I flew to New York, back from New York, coming back from my uncle's funeral. Uh, the I flew from New York to. Uh, uh, Phoenix, then from Phoenix, California, New York to Phoenix is like a six hour flight. No television, crappy seats, no TV, my TV, the TVs are broken. Nothing.
1: Did you call them?
0: Well, yes. And they gave me 10,000 frequent flyer miles. Uh, but then, uh, I get on the next week to go the opposite direction. TV broken.
1: (laughs) And then the thing that
0: pisses me off is that on the flight from Phoenix to California, that's only an hour and a half television's in the back of every seat
1: right why don't you put that plane
0: when i'm flying really far see and now i gotta press the call button every five minutes for you to give me more wine
1: see this is why we don't care about the stuff in syria because we have these problems. <laughs> <laughs> these important problems
0: oh don't get if- me started on the quality of wine on airplanes My might be, be feeding me fucking bathtub juice
1: yeah so you know, that's for me why I travel. I'm like, you know what? If you could teleport me, hell oh yeah, yeah, I want to go Figure everywhere. That Would you I, people, scientists? I want to go everywhere, but I don't want to deal with your horse shit. Anyway, on that note, <laughs> <laughs> um, I spoke to John Edward recently and I want to share it with you guys. Um, I wanted to ask him about his career and what it's like and dead people and... Yes. All that jazz.
0: And he's just so nice to talk to. He's
1: lovely. And Sarah and I are going to meet him. And if you want to meet him, you can uh, go to johnedward.net and grab some tickies and go see him in person. Um, he's kind of cool because he has a loyal uh, group of fans as well. And they have like the, his fans will meet without him and like go on vacations together and stuff. Oh my it's gosh. Really wow. Yeah. It's like hey, its own grief group. Yeah. So enjoy this interview with John. And uh, if you would like an additional, we have a bonus uh, interview with our friend Kimmy, who is one of our patrons on patreon.com slash brain candy. Yeah, man. She supports us and she came to our studio and she wanted to talk to us about grief. She's experienced some um, tragedy in her life so we kind of like had a meeting of the minds and mm-hmm. discussed how to get through stuff like that and she gives some great advice about how to effectively handle trauma yes. and grief in your life. So yeah. you can go to patreon.com/braincandy and hear that as you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued Sarah and I are going to be coming to one of your live readings. How do you approach a group reading?
2: I look at what the theme of why are all these people brought together and what are the lessons that they're supposed to be learning and why they're coming together. Wow. That's what my kind of like, While I'm standing on stage. That's what I'm looking for. And then when I'm doing a private reading, I'm looking for what's the the nugget that I'm mining for at the intersection of me meeting my client in the universe on that corner. What is the nugget of... I'm supposed to get across to them.
1: Wow. So every time, is it different?
2: Every single time. You can come to five events in a row, and you'll have five Mm -hmm. completely different experiences.
1: What is that about? Because even, like, I've done stand-up comedy, and I always am fascinated by how the audience uh, sort of, well, you know, it's like there's this vibe, right? And sometimes... You kill, and it's amazing, and then other times it's like mm, that felt did flat. You actually, what happened? Just, just
2: the word "kill" with me. Did you really? <laughs> that?
1: I did. I, I'm sorry, but it's true. It's what you say in comedy, right? When right. you do good, you killed. When you do poorly, it's just like, well, it's dead.
2: It is dead. <laughs> so, Listen, what, I, is I, what is that like,
1: vibe, though?
2: There, there's been a. It's energy. So when you get a, a, a collective group together, mm-hmm. they kind of create and energy. And and it's different. Like if I have 300 people in a room and I read for somebody, they're excited. They're exuberant. they are like, Oh my God, I got picked. (laughs) If you put 10 people in a room, that excitement goes away and it becomes intense.
1: Oh, wow. That's weird.
2: It's like the hunger games of reading. Like it's (laughs) like, it's a very, very different experience. So you, you feel that you can literally feel that. I mean, and they're, they're, no joke. There have been events where I felt like the audience that I'm working with are deader than the people that are coming through.
1: Why, though? What is it?
2: I think it, I think it depends on where they're coming from. Yeah. I mean, I mean all, in, in all seriousness, grief is a debilitating experience. Mm-hmm. And I say to people, if you woke up after you lost a loved one and you were 400 pounds heavier than you were before you lost a loved one, you're carrying... All this extra weight—you have to navigate life in a different way. You're bigger. People would treat you differently by viewpoint. They'd see it, but grief is like this invisible 400 extra pounds of fat that people carry around with them and hide or don't acknowledge or don't feel or don't discuss or don't talk about. And then what ends up happening is they're still navigating the world as somebody who's 100 pounds, but now all this extra energy they got to carry with them. So it's it's a process. And when you get all of that together it can become very, very heavy. So that's where I feel like it's the job of the teacher, the medium, the metaphysician to be able to get in there and help shake the energy up a little bit.
1: I'm so envious, though, because it's such a blessing, I feel, that you can go about your day and really sort of sense what people might be going through. Because let's say you're at the grocery store and someone's acting like an a-hole. The rest of us are just like, you're an a-hole, but maybe you have a better sense of like, well, there might be a lot more going on that we don't know about, right?
2: Yeah, but first I think that they're an a-hole too. <laughs> and I, then I look past me like, okay, you know, and, I, and I'll say this, you know, grief does not yield entitlement. Yeah. Um, everybody's got problems. Everybody's got issues. Yeah, But you can understand why somebody maybe yeah. is coming from the place they're coming from once you understand what they're dealing with.
1: Right, which is good for all of us to keep in mind so that we know, okay, you're an a-hole, but maybe there's a reason. <laughs>
2: Yeah. Like I remember one time doing a, doing a group, there was a woman, a young lady who was having problems with her in-laws. Yeah. Like a lot of problems with her in-laws. Yeah. And I got that first. I got all the strife and all the negativity and, you know, and it became like a funny moment, like where everybody was like laughing because she was really validating how negative it was. Right. And then it got revealed that I was actually getting the information from her husband who I passed. So he was actually the one.
1: Oh. Actually,
2: explaining what was taking place in her family or his family and that dynamic.
1: Oh, wow.
2: And then after like you know, everybody, everybody had that, oh, wow moment. And then I stopped and I just said to her, I go, but I'm going to tell you not as, you know, referencing your husband, but as the teacher here, I want you to be respectful of his mom because before he was your husband, he was her son yeah. and there's no greater loss on the planet than the loss of a child. Mm. So take a beat before you want to punch her and like, remember that she's coming from that place. Yeah. Try to navigate differently. And it it actually just puts things in a different perspective or lens, not always easy to do.
1: It's crazy though, how when people probably think about what you do, it might seem so exotic and out there and mystical, but in reality, a lot of what you're doing is so practical, right?
2: I think so. I try to apply energetic principles to everyday life, whether it be being a friend, being a dad, like being a teacher. I I, want to make sure that I'm living my life by a certain philosophy or energy so that when I'm done here, like I'm clean, like my, my karma is clean. Like Hmm. I've done the best job I can. I'm not going to feel like, Oh, I should have done that differently. (laughs) So I'd I'd rather ruffle a few feathers and, you know, muddy up the waters a little bit to get people to understand like, no, here are my boundaries. And energetically, this is, this is how I'm going to live my life.
1: Whenever you leave a live event or even a private reading, do you generally feel uh, drained or do you feel like energized?
2: I'm going to say I feel drained.
1: Yeah, I would.
2: I'm (laughs) going to say, you know, like this is my 32nd year doing this. So (laughs) I'd like to tell you that. I would like to tell you that. You know, I'm leaving like I used to leave, which was like, wow, that was great. Let's go out. Yeah. Yeah, not so much. Um, (laughs) Now I'm like, wow, do I even want to eat or I just want to go to bed? What
1: is your like um, escape? Do you? uh, Well, you like the Kardashians. You watch them? I do like the
2: Kardashians. I don't really watch them, but (laughs) I do like them. I like them as people. Um, I like to escape into my iPad. quite honestly, like Mm -hmm. find a series like, and just escape into the series. Yeah. You know, I, I was a kid of the 70s and the 80s when soap operas were, like, all that, like, wrong when you came home from school.
1: Yeah.
2: And I was one of those people that, like, got, like, sucked in. And, like, I love the fact that you can kind of get sucked into these fictional lives. Um, I was able to get sucked in when I knew it was fiction. Like, I can't get sucked into reality shows because it's bad, it's bad fiction. But, like, <laughs> but yeah. I, I like getting sucked into, like, maybe a... You know, like I just binge watched all seven seasons of The Good Wife.
1: Oh, wow. Binge watched.
2: Yep. I'm a binger. Oh, my.
1: God. Well, that's good, though, because you found your sort of outlet of like, okay, I need a, I need a minute. And then you go. Yeah, and I find everybody
2: crazy around me because they'll be like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm in court. They're like, what do you mean you're in court? Stop. Alicia like, and Will are in court. I'm in court. It's
1: very serious business. <laughs> Okay. Well, that makes me feel better. You're just like the rest of us. You just have this. uh, Wait, do you like calling it a gift or you don't?
2: I don't. Yeah. yeah. Yep. i like to call it an ability.
1: Yeah. Your ability. Okay.
2: I I feel like when you call it a gift, you're saying like, I'm more special than you. Like, like, ha.
1: Well, come on. It's all right. Um, on your website, (laughs) I see that at the top, it says communicate. Is that appreciate, validate and evolve? Correct. What's that about?
2: So, um, how much time do you have? Uh, <laughs> many, many years ago, um, I was in Joan Rivers lost her husband. Yeah, and I had tickets to go see her locally here in New York, and I wasn't sure the event was going to happen, but it did. The event actually happened, and I it was one of the few events I ever went to with my dad. And when the event was, she was brilliant, absolutely hysterical. And then when the event was over, it was a like theater in the round. She came back out for like a a second curtain call encore. And then she left. Then the lights came up. Everybody was getting out of their seat. And she came back again. And this time, like everybody like turned to look and see like what the big moment was going to be. And she stopped and she did her gesture, her hand gesture where she waves people down. So people are waiting for something funny. But instead she said, "Um, whether it be the people that you're with or the people you're going home to, please tell them that you love them. Because sometimes you don't get that chance. I know I didn't. Mm. Well, she took everybody from being like so highly laughing emotion to this cathartic feeling of, oh, my God, because of what publicly she had just gone through. Mm. And it kind of like it hit me and it stayed. And the next day when I went to work, I was working at a hospital. One of the women in the office said to me, come sit, shut the door. And she goes, you seem off. And she was very maternal. She knew I just lost my mom. She yeah. goes, come tell me, tell me what's going on. So I told her and she said, that's beautiful. And I said, it is actually beautiful. I go, it just touched me in such a way that I've been thinking about it. You know, my yeah. mom's and, you know, did I say all the things that I did? And then later on that, that, that day when she was leaving, she knocked on my, my office door and I go, what's up, Kathy? And she went, Joan yours. Yeah. Like it was her way of like letting me know, like she got it and she was expressing herself. So that became like our thing. And then I realized that how many people actually that I read don't get an opportunity to say those things. So I felt like I had a responsibility to voice the platform, whether it be private readings or groups. And then it became radio and television um, and my books to get people to communicate how they're feeling, appreciate the people that are in their lives and validate that connection. So I used to end all my events by saying communicate, appreciate, validate the people that are in your life so a medium like myself doesn't have to do it for you. And the, the reality of the work that I, I do is like, now I feel like I'm trying to get people to evolve through life's issues as well. So it's become this kind of like communicate, appreciate, validate and evolve.
1: Whoa. So how do you feel like you're evolving?
2: How do I feel like I'm evolving? Um,
1: or, you know, professionally or, or whatever.
2: I think that's a great question. Um, I feel like I'm evolving out of just the guy that talks to dead people and the public persona. I I, I think I'm evolving more into like a life coaching kind of a place in my work. Mm -hmm. I think Most importantly, I'm evolving as a person would be as a parent, like trying to make sure that I leave an indelible imprint on, you know, my kids. Like, I, I feel like I have to leave, like leave them better than I found them. Like if I got abducted by aliens, like, I want to leave my voice in their head, my teachings, my philosophy, so that, like they're programmed and ready for. Yes, to-
1: that's good. I love I love those answers. When I was getting my PhD, I um, focused on research on the prosperity gospel, okay. and you know, people that believe that faithfulness will bring them uh, rewards in this lifetime. And I always am interested in you because I feel like you're in this weird middle space between. Uh, the space after death and earthly stuff. And so your answer really speaks to that because you're moving away a little bit from just being, as you say, the guy that talks to dead people to someone who helps people with their earthly concerns as well. So it's like a little bit of a bridge there. I like that. That's cool.
2: and, And I feel like when I first started doing this work, I was actually doing exactly what we're talking about, but I was doing it by doing it, not by really understanding that I was doing it. So it's not like I was doing it by accidental intention, if that makes yeah. any sense. Yeah. And then when I got into the whole media aspect of it and I kind of felt like that was a machine that I got like pulled into, like it wasn't what I was looking for, but it was what I wound up doing, I recognized and appreciated the platform that it provided me with.
1: Yeah.
2: I wanted to do so much more than I was allowed to with crossing over. And I, I remember them saying like, no, 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 this is what we need. The people, the people, the audience wouldn't be ready for anything else. And you know, there were even promos. If you go back and find old promos crossing over, it's like, you know, me walking towards the camera uh, and it's like John Edwards is a man with a singular gift. And I'd be like, Okay, one, I hate the word gift. And and the fact that it's singular, you know, it's like it's like this is all I can do. Like
1: Yeah, you're a one trick pony.
2: Yep, I'm an idiot. Like, you know, so like that was something that I didn't really I didn't really care for. So whenever they asked me to do stuff, I'd be like, Oh I can't. One gift.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs)
2: Nope. Nope, can't do that interview. (laughs) One gift.
1: (laughs) Right. But now we know you're a man of many abilities. And yeah. And you offer them both through your live events, the tour, which people, if you're in uh, the LA area, you should come and and I'm going to go in January. You should come with me or you could check out his dates um, in other cities, johnedward.net. But you also have any, it's called Evolve and it's like a subscription or membership where people can kind of do the same thing, but, but more privately, right?
2: Yeah. You know, so about 10 years ago, um, I did something that people thought was completely crazy, literally, legitimately legitimately thought I had like kind of lost my marbles there for a second. <laughs> um, I left a successful television show that was on the Wii Network. Um, I had done three seasons of a show called cross country and they wanted to move forward, continue with it. And I said, thank you. This has been a great opportunity, but I kind of feel like I did crossing over and now I did this and now I need a challenge. I'm going to go pioneer it online. And they were like online. I'm yeah. like, yes, pioneer it online. And everybody said online. It's like the only thing that works online is like porn. I'm like, "Nope, this is <laughs> what I'm doing. I'm going online. So I assembled a team of like 60 people. And I, I kind of, from all over the world, astrologers, neurologists, like, and I thought like, I'm creating the justice league online. Like, this is going, <laughs> You know, it was like, it's like the superheroes, like back at the hall of justice. Um, and it failed miserably, which oh. I, yeah, it was like a horrible experience for two and a half, three years that I did this. And I thought, wait a second. Like I saw this and I'm so confident in what I see. Like, how could this fail? Yeah. Like, this is not adding up. And one of the people that were a part of it, I went to him and I said, dude, like I need some insight here. Like I'm too close to this. Why is this not working? Yeah. And he goes, all of these people don't have your intentions. They all want to stand in your light and they want to use your platform as a way of getting their own whatever. Not realizing that you know it's just you're not of the same yoke. Yeah. So fast forward to realizing that this is a financial you know debacle. Yeah. Ending it, ending it and then just refocusing on who I am, my brand, and what I do, and then Evolve was created and it became an overnight success. Mm-hmm. And. Again, folks were like, "No, it's online. It's got to be for free. You got to do it for free." And I'm like, "Yeah, but no," I said. Something I have to pay for it so that I actually can run. You know, it's like, and it's and and you know what? It's created a family. It's created an environment where it's created an environment where people that are evolved members, like they literally just did a trip together, had nothing to do with (laughs) me. Like they all like went on a trip together. Like they came together. Somebody flew in from the UK. People went to Canada. They flew from different parts of the United States. And they all, like, hung out. And I felt like, well, that's, like, really cool. Like, yeah. they were together. So I think that the, the universe is vast and the Internet is vast. And the experience that both kind of combine, I mean, look at how you reach people here, right? People yeah. mm-hmm. find you in the way that they're supposed to.
1: Yeah. And, and it's the same it's- thing. They create a community. They, they find, you know, like-minded people. And it's really special. And... You, I saw this uh, meme or whatever on Instagram. Someone said, everyone loves your art until they have to pay for it. And it's, right. it sometimes can be frustrating where you provide a service or whatever, and there might be a little pushback. But ultimately, if you have something of quality, it will last. and people. It, will
2: it wasn't even, it wasn't even a, a thought for me, like, I have to do this for free because it wasn't a reality. Like, mm-hmm. it's, it's like it just wasn't a re- I mean, I think if I could have done it for free, I, I maybe I would have. But it just wasn't something that realistically was doable. So yeah. I was like, okay, well, how do I do this? Well, it's got to be like this. And how do I provide value? And, and it just kind of organically came that way. And I also remember when I first started doing doing readings, when I would read people for free, they didn't pay attention. Yeah. I'd be like, why are they not paying attention? And then when people paid for it, they were way more intent. <laughs> I'd be like,
1: huh, okay. Everybody wins. <laughs> Yeah, I was like,
2: this is, this is a unique perspective. People want to actually, they want to pay for the insights because what they're doing is they're giving themselves permission to listen to the value of what they're putting
1: exactly. out Exactly. Preach. I totally agree. I think it's awesome. Um, here's what I want to know. Okay. What do you think people get most wrong or are most confused about with regards to grief or death?
2: I think on both parts, they allow fear to become the motivator as opposed to love. I think that they go to a place of, I'm never going to see, hear, or feel this person.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: It's kind of like when a kid has to go to the doctor and they don't know what's going to happen, but they have a meltdown and they have a freak out because of what they think they're going to experience or what they think is going to happen or they think they're going to get a shot. And they have that white lab coat syndrome thing as opposed to when it's all over, then they're like, that's not so bad. (laughs) So I I think because of the big issues in life, fear gets in the way of the concept of death or the consideration of understanding the potential that the soul and the consciousness moves on. I think fear gets in the way of health because people are afraid they're going to get sick. So they fixate on the fear of getting sick and they manifest illness instead Mm -hmm. of wellness. Mm -hmm. And I recently was talking to somebody who was Basically diagnosed with a very severe illness. And I said to him, listen, it's really important. It had to do with a partner. I said, it's very important that in order for them to actually heal the individual, they have to confront the whole self, which means you have to confront death before you can actually live. So if someone's dealing with a terminal illness, they have to confront the concept of dying. Mm. They have to confront the actual illness and what made them ill in the first place. In order to heal the physical body, which means you got to get into on a cellular level, you have to understand why you got sick in the first place.
1: Mm-hmm. And people don't really want to do that.
2: <laughs> no, people want to order by number at McDonald's. They want to, you know, what I'm saying like they don't want to make the healthy meal at home. They don't want to go shopping for the food. They don't want it to be, you know, they want to just be like, can I order by number or can I buy it in a bag?
1: <laughs> so you encourage people to do a little bit of that work because it'll pay off ultimately.
2: If they do it for real, I really, truly really believe. I remember when my mom was sick and I was sitting next to her bed and I was like, okay, we're going to do like visualization exercises. We're going to get in there. We're going to visualize the cancer. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. And I remember her looking at me going, y- you have to do it for me because I, c- I can't see it. Yeah. And I'd, I'd be like, no, I I actually can't. I was like, that's like asking you to like do cardio for you. I I, I can't do that. You know, <laughs> I can't do a couple of extra sit-ups and you get abs. Like that doesn't happen. So
1: yeah.
2: it's important for people to do the to do the work and actually own their choices and own their energy.
1: What do you think is something that people take away after they're with you about um, how to heal or, or, um, mend themselves after losing a loved one that you teach them or that they see in you?
2: I hope that I'm teaching them opportunity. I'm hoping that I'm giving them the recognition that they don't need a medium. I hope I'm giving them permission to be able to recognize the signs and symbols of how energy is all around them. That's what I'm hoping.
1: Mm-hmm. You
2: know, I always feel a little disappointed when when I'm done doing an event and I've kind of given my I've given it my all and I've I've actually um, let them know like here's everything that's there and then the person's like so you got nothing for me like there's nothing I'm like oh my god yeah like you didn't get it like you didn't get it at all
1: yeah do you is there anything. Is there any moment where you're like, where you have doubts about what, what there is beyond the physical world? No. Yeah. Are certain?
2: Yeah. I'm, I'm certain. Okay. I don't have any doubts. I will tell you that I don't know exactly what it's like, Yeah. but I don't, I don't know like what it's like there. I, and I say this, you know, I, I, I feel like my job is to kind of show the validity of what exists as opposed to what it's like there. Cause I think it's different for different people.
1: Yeah. Ooh, that's interesting. I like it. All right. Um, is there anything you want to add before we go, mister?
2: Um, I want to know if you all come on involved the next time we're taping.
1: Absolutely. I would love to. I,
2: I feel like this is the second time we've had the opportunity to do it this way. Now I want to turn the tape.
1: <laughs> <laughs> You're like, that's enough. Uh, Suze. It's my I wanna turn.
2: Know, I want to know, like, why you started, you know, doing what you're doing and brain candy and
1: all that stuff. Oh, that's so that nice. Stuff. I'd love to. That would be wonderful. You, you let me know. I'll be there. Very cool. Thank you so much. And also, before you go, I just want to tell you that um, the people that work for you are so darn nice. It's ridiculous. Oh.
2: Thank you. I beat them like my children.
1: (laughs) Hey, whatever works. (laughs) I mean, you're, they are so loyal to you and so efficient and you, you get, you have good people.
2: Thank you. I appreciate that. I will pass that off.
1: Yeah. So thank you very much. And I can't wait to meet you in January or sooner.
2: Same here, Susie. Thank you.
1: Bye. Bye. I hope you enjoyed that interview with the lovely John Edward, and we will be sure to report back about tell you all
0: about it. Yeah. I just like his voice.
1: I like everything about him. I'm Got gonna give him a big place. hug. I am. I like him. Yeah. So um, we'll definitely report back about um, seeing him in person. And uh, all right. Anything else, Sarah? Nope. We'll see. I you next hope time. you don't die.
0: Uh, you too. Oh, and if you, let's get some of that bucket list crossed off.
1: Oh, and let me just say, if I do die, yeah, you know, you can play this and yeah. be like, I want you to just take me, yeah. and just like burn me up. Okay. Don't save it. I don't want to be in an urn. No.
0: Where do you want to go? Ocean? Pittsburgh.
1: <laughs> right in the Ohio river. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, just whatever. And just take care of Lincoln for me. Got it. And make oh, sure make that sure he, reads a lot he of knows books. that he is, you know, lovely and wonderful. I will. What do you want me to do with you if you die? don't? Donate me to science, please. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Don't do that to me. Straight it's to the UCLA operation. Brain Center. You got it. Okay. Bye, guys. Bye.